Welcome to the Multifamily Wealth Podcast. I'm your host, Axel Ragnarsson, and on this show, I dissect how seasoned multifamily investors started, built, and scaled their businesses. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another quick solo episode here on the Multifamily Wealth Podcast. Uh, before I get into the topic for this week's episode, I want to remind everyone who doesn't follow me on Instagram or you know connected with me on LinkedIn that uh, we've started a charitable cause in our business um, that is going to be funded by the sale of any courses or educational products that we're bringing out. Um, you know, right now we have the off-market deals course, which teaches multifamily investors how to build a robust pipeline of off-market deals, uh, off-market discounted deals, I should say, and. 5% of the gross sales of that program and any other programs, courses, what have you that we release um, is going to be donated to Aligned Giving, which is a cause that we've started to support organizations that are combating the homelessness crisis. So really, really excited to announce that, really excited to uh, spend more time building that arm to our business. And um, and I think it really aligns the mission of of what we're doing, which is, you know, we want to align incentives, right? That's... um. That's always been the name of our business or, or you know, the goal of our business, I should say, and it's the name of our business, Aligned Real Estate Partners. And you know, when we started thinking about putting together educational content and you know, any programs on that side of the of the business, kind of in the education world there, um, I knew they wanted to, you know, I always knew that there was going to be some kind of cause um, you know, that was supported by that piece of the business. So Really, really excited to release that, launch that. Um, you know, that is in effect as of now, uh, starting 7 1, which this episode is obviously going to be coming out in July, mid July. Um, 5% of gross sales, you know, not net income or gross profit or anything. It's just gross sales will be donated to Aligned Giving. So, uh, link to the course is in the description, uh, as it always is, but, um, but just wanted to mention that on the podcast. Now, let's get into this week's episode where I'm going to be talking about how you can think about uh, whether or not it makes sense to sell a property that you own to buy another property and i think that typically this is a pretty simple conversation you know if you buy a property and you increase its value and your return on equity goes down and you want to you know exchange it into a larger property or buy a larger property that decision is pretty straightforward now it's become less straightforward as the conversation uh, then goes to interest rates which is really where we're at right now. You know, I think um, if somebody has uh, a deal that they bought a couple of years ago and maybe their interest rate is 4% and they've added all of this value, they have all this equity, maybe their return on equity is lower. You know, what do you do at that point? Do you, you know, do you sell and just buy something with a higher interest rate? You know, do you refinance and, and, and take some of the money out, but then also accept the higher interest rate? You know, there's a lot of decisions that are hard to make given the dynamics that are present in the marketplace right now where commercial rates are just, you know, they continue to increase and, and where you know, most lenders are offering over 7% right now, um, you know, for normal multifamily products. So I want to talk about what, how we're doing this in our business, how we think about this, um, and really what's, you know, the, the, the different ways in which we kind of tear apart that decision. So to give some context, we're in the, we're in the process of selling numerous small properties that we own, like a lot of smaller multifamily, three, six, you know, eight unit type of deals. Um, with the goal of repurposing the equity that we've created by buying those deals, adding value, operating them well into either larger deals or into deals that we're buying where there's a discount to market where we can just do the same thing over again. And in order to do that, we have to give up a lower interest rate and accept a higher interest rate. 
And most people would say, that doesn't make sense. Don't do that, right? But there's let's take the analysis a step further and think about what that actually means. So I want to use two examples here. Um, let's pretend you own a property that you have a million dollar loan balance at 4%. Um, so you're paying $40,000 a year in interest. And if you were to go buy another property and you know you have another million dollar loan or what have you, let's say it's at 7%, right? So then you have to pay $70,000 a year in interest. Um, between the, you know, the difference between the two is $30,000, right? So there's an incremental increase in interest expense at the same loan amount between four and 7% of $30,000 a year. And this is like a literally a, a, you know, a real scenario that we're, that we're working through right now and trying to think about like how good of a deal do we need to be getting on the other end in order for this trade to make sense? And there's tons of variables. So I'll mention all the other variables at the end, but I just want to simplify this analysis really quick. So you know, let's say we bought a property, we've already done our value add, we've created all the value, we have a nice chunk of equity, and maybe our return on equity is a little bit lower because our loan to value has gone down as a result of us increasing the value of the property. And we want to tap into that equity. So if we're looking at a new deal, similar loan balance, higher interest rate, how good of a deal do we need to get, right? In order for that trade to make sense. So the way I think about this is how long is it going to take to stabilize the property that we're buying, right? And how long are we going to be in uh, in a rate that is that is higher than the one that we're giving up? And then let's actually analyze the difference between the two. So let's say we're you know trying to sell a six unit and buy a I don't know a ten unit right or whatever. I'm just trying to use simplified examples, right? Um, when I'm looking at how good of a deal we need to get on the on the next prop, the property that we would then buy, I'm trying to think of the margin between the price at closing and the actual market value at closing. I'm not trying to project into the future. I'm not trying to do, you know, what's it going to be worth in two years if the rents grow a little bit and we do this, we do that. I'm talking about day one value, like value at closing. What it would be what would be the appraised value today versus what are we paying for it today? And the way I think about this is let's take the interest, uh, you know, let's take the difference in interest that we would be paying over the time period it would take to stabilize the property and then compare that to the discount we need. So if we're spending another $60,000 um, over two years in interest, let's say it takes two years to stabilize this property. We, you know, And this is the difference between a million dollar loan at four and a million dollar loan at 7%. Uh, again, how much of a discount do we need? Maybe we can go out there and buy that property at, I don't know, $200,000 below market value. Maybe we're, you know, we're, we're going out there and we're finding a property that's you know, $1.6 million, but we buy it for 1.4 and we create $200,000 in equity. And, you know, the corresponding loan balance is a million bucks or whatever it is. Um, okay. Now we're starting to get somewhere. Now we, now we're actually placing a value to what kind of deal that we need to achieve in order for this trade to make sense. Now, ideally we're getting a better deal than that, right? That's only call it 10, 15% below market value. Ideally we're finding a deal at a deeper discount than that. And then, you know, we can start to ask ourselves, at what discount does it absolutely make sense to do this, right? In terms of this is a no-brainer. If we can buy a $1.6 million property for $1.3 million, you know, okay, now it's a 300, we're closing with $300,000 in equity. That makes, it probably starts to make sense here to sell out of a lower rate and buy into a higher rate because our return on equity just increases the day that we close, right? Because we're just buying a property below market value. So when we start to think about the difference in interest spend and the difference in current market value versus uh, our purchase price, then we're then we're starting to compare apples to apples a little bit. And we're starting to think a little bit more about this. Now, there's all kinds of different variables, right? 
when you buy a new property, you're accepting the risk of the unknown, right? It's always possible to do a bad deal. And you're selling a property that you probably know intimately well in terms of, yeah, I, you know, I've renovated all the units. I replaced a couple of the heating systems. I, you know, I know what's going on behind the walls and I know when the roof's going to go and all this stuff. You have clarity, right? So you need to make sure you're buying a deal that you do extensive due diligence on and you try to minimize that risk. That's always a risk at any point in any market cycle. But again, that's worth mentioning. Um, and then you need to understand that there's obviously going to be transactional costs as well. What is it going to cost you to sell the property? Probably 7%, 8%, depending on what state you're in, the transfer taxes, how much you're paying a broker. What's it going to cost you to buy the next property, right? So you need to understand that there are costs associated with making that trade and factor them into this analysis. You know, let's say it's going to cost you six to sell and four to buy. That's 10% in transaction costs. Um, that might just be, you know, at an increment and added incremental discount to what you're looking for on the on the on properties that you're buying in order for it to make sense. So that's always something that you got to consider as well. But in general, if you are selling out of a property with a low loan balance, or excuse me, a low interest rate where you have a low return on equity and you have all of this equity tied up on the property, it likely makes sense for you to make an exchange into a property that comes with a higher loan balance if you are buying it at 15, 20% plus below market value. Now, again, all of the nuances I'm leaving out here, right? You need to make sure that you do all of the other things I'm talking about. But when you start to do the math, you realize when you buy a property and you stabilize it, and now you're done with your value add, your returns are very closely dictated by what the market does. You are accepting what the market does as your return. You are no longer really in control of your own destiny because you've already done that. You've already implemented your value. You've already renovated the units. You've already stabilized the property. And over the, the next three, five, 10, 20 years, your returns on that property are tied to what goes on in the market. How quickly do rents grow? How quickly do expenses grow? Um, you know, where are cap rates going in that market? You are ne not necessarily in control of that anymore outside of you making sure that you operate the property well, right? That's always a constraint. Right? You need to make sure you operate well. But when we think about where the value is created in real estate in terms of the outsized value above and beyond what the market gives us in terms of rent growth, NOI growth, and then therefore value growth, it comes when we buy a value-add deal. It comes when we get in there, we renovate the units, we renovate the common areas, we improve the management experience. You know, we do some kind of redevelopment. We maximize the use of the property. That's where you make the outsized returns as a real estate investor. That's where you make the real money. Long story short, right? If you really want to simplify this. So in my opinion, I'm always looking to do that. I'm always looking to, and, and that's just my style as an investor. I want to get in there. I want to create the value where I make the large percentage increases on my money, right? On our, on our investor's capital. And then I want to redeploy it into another opportunity to do the same thing. And um, unless there's a really compelling reason to hold a deal long term, it's in a great area. Um, you know, it's some kind of like a legacy property. It's newer. You know, for some reason, there's opportunities to to create more value in the future at a future date. I, you know, I'm always thinking about the transactional opportunities. Can we 1031 into another deal where we can also create significant value and to keep the snowball rolling down the hill? That's not for everybody. That that is what makes sense in our business. That's what makes sense for people that are really active real estate investors that are trying to really stretch their capital, grow a business quickly. If you're someone who's just buying a property a year and you want to fund your retirement, this probably doesn't speak to you. But again, I'm, I'm trying to clarify who the audience is for this specific conversation. So that's always been the goal. And now it just makes it harder because we're giving up low interest rates for higher interest rates. So 
I mean, long story short, we just need to find deeper discounts in order to justify making that mathematical trade. But uh, I just wanted to kind of free ball and, and, and talk about this a little bit because I, I, I get so many questions from other investors like, you know, I bought this property for a million. I put 200 grand into it. It's worth 1.75. Now I have all this equity. You know, I have this low rate, but I want to get, I want to access that equity. I don't really know what to do. Right. And this is a way to think about what you should do. Right. And, um, it's not an easy, it's not an easy decision to make. And it really depends on your deal flow in the marketplace right now in terms of what you are able to find um, in terms of discounted opportunities out in the marketplace. And if you can find a discounted opportunity and you can repurpose your cash into another opportunity to really make it grow in that first 12 to 24 months, I think I think you should have that, you know, conversation if you're an investor with um with yourself, with your partner, with your team, with your investors, whoever. So I hope this was helpful. I hope that this got the brain going a little bit. Um, you know, I hope that you learned some things as a result of just me talking about how we approach these times, these types of uh, you know decisions in our business. But um, you know, again, if you enjoyed this episode, please leave the podcast a rating and a review as it helps the show get noticed by more folks. Um, again, go check out the Off Market Multifamily Deals course where we teach people how to build a robust pipeline of off market deals. And remember, um, any participation in that program supports a wonderful cause and aligned giving. So all the links to that are in the notes, uh, show notes, I should say. But again, I'll catch you guys on the next episode. Thank you for listening to this episode on the Multifamily Wealth Podcast. If you learned something new during the show, please consider sharing this episode with a friend, family member, or business partner, or just leaving a rating and review as it helps the show get noticed by more folks. Catch you next week.